We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is, this is, this is, this is. Heat, heat, beat, heat, beat, heat, beat. With Giancarlo Navas and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. With me today, co-founder Brian Goins, after a two-show hiatus. So Brian's back. Alf, Heat Twitter president, is here. And special guest, Mike Ryan from the Levitard Show. We keep moving up. You are an upgrade from George Sedano, my friend. Welcome to the program. How are you? <laughs> I am not an upgrade over George. You are not an, at all. You're more 305 than him, man. You you out here representing for us? Because I'm based down here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he left. He's got the edge because he's a little bit older. You've downgraded, but <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys convincing yourself that it's an upgrade. I just or you're just to, being nice to me. Well, I have to tell you that because you're the guest, so I have to make you feel. I tell that to everybody yeah. except Jason Leisure. <laughs> Jason would have been my favorite guest out of them all. Jason was a savage man. <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you. I like Jason. He is savage is a good way to describe Jason. Jason, but Jason has upped his game, but he doesn't like when you say that. We're like, Jason, you've gotten better. And he's like, I've been the same guy. <laughs> yeah, because that uh that intimates that he was bad at a certain point. He uh, average. He was yeah. average, yeah. He was like Houston Rockets Kyle Lowry, and then he <laughs> became regular season Toronto Kyle Lowry. I liken him to a, an artist that's just found his voice. Like, he, he was Beyonce. Like, <laughs> Except was less given, fabulous? Less fabulous, but he was, like, given a glamour-like position. <laughs> so it intimates that he's, like, like really good at his job. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And then you, like, look at the catalog, and it's like, why is it such a big deal? <laughs> yeah. But Jason. I think this season he dropped Lemonade, so it's all good. It, that's oh, You know what? That's perfect. He did drop Lemonade. <laughs> So Jason, okay, we, we've started off on a fabulous note. We've compared Jason Leisure to Beyonce. Alf. Yes. How are you, sir? You're quiet. No, you start talking about Leisure. I, you, I think he hates me. Yeah, I, I'm Dr. Alf. No, I, I'm no. See, that wasn't even fair because I hate Twitter doctors. I did not die. Yeah, I did not diagnose Hassan's injury. I just didn't understand why everybody was like, 
Oh, can't really tell what happened. What do you mean what happened? Lord Dane kicked him in the knee. Case closed. Let's move on. <laughs> and it was, and uh, I guess that's what started it. But I didn't diagnose a yeah, torn ACL or any of that crap. But, yeah, I, I'm convinced he hates me at this point. Low-key is Hassan mad at Luol Deng. <laughs> yeah, probably. He probably blames him. <laughs> Does that come up? Does like, that come up in conversation? <laughs> like, Lou, you kick, you... dude, you kicked me in the shin. <laughs> like, what the hell? Knowing Hassan, probably, yeah. If he, whatever, he, whatever he gets underneath a max contract, he's probably going to blame Luol Deng for it. Like, Luol, you owe me $12 million. I only got 88 I should have got 100 Mike, what were the show's mentions when that happened? When Hassan... I can't imagine that was any kind of pleasant. The show's mentions? Yeah. I just uh, watch Heat Games cowering in fear of uh, Goran Dragic mentions. So <laughs> Dude, I, I try to stay away. Twitter's so me. mad at you all. The, the hashtag deuces. <laughs> I don't... I, it's a weird niche I've sort of carved out for myself. Um if he does anything, like if he gets a like a layup that puts him up four zero, like it's just like just my phone melts. The so one. I try to stay away from like really the mentions, unless I see something funny on the timeline. But um, as far as what the show gets, uh, I, I I don't. Mine are bad enough that I don't want to go veer into dance. Don't even look the national ones. But you, like those I, are a lot more um, uh, racist. hostile. <laughs> Wait, what? Racist. <laughs> It's funny because you became at one point you were like the heat, the heat Twitter cocky heat fan spirit animal Matthew McConaughey. Like, heat. I was yeah, like you were the you were the guy. Now you've turned into like a pariah. <laughs> like, is, I, I I think it's it, what Lebertard says. We just need someone to be mad at all the time. It is a little weird, although it, it it is incredibly easy to be like cocky heat fan when you have the best team in the world and you know it. Um. Like, uh, I try to be a little bit more realistic, and I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird. He Twitter, like, I think they know that the team isn't, like, really good this year, but they don't want to hear anybody say it. Oh, yeah, we know, just don't say it. No, no. I said yeah. Raptors in five, and everybody got mad at me, and, like, my mentions were on fire. Well, you were wrong. And it was a fair. joke. No, but I said it as a joke, and everybody got really mad. Well, you should have said a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair point. <laughs> Raptors and five was bad. Mike Scriba was so angry at me. And Alf, people get angry at you all the time. Well, no, people get angry at me because I call them terrible names. You're mean, man. And I become unhinged over the slightest thing. That's why people get mad at me. I'm constantly waving the heat flag, so I'm pretty. I I stay popular in that regard. But Mike, everybody used to love your show. Like your show used to be like what Heat fans went to, and now everybody just complains about it. It's really weird. Yeah, well, I mean, such is life. Y'all, y'all have moved on to the hot new thing. Skolnick gets universal praise. <laughs> dedicates an entire show to you guys. He makes uh, Alpha a, a president. I can't really do that on a national scale without confusing the living hell out of people. You sound jealous. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, because uh, you know we've been here. You know, it's just a popularity contest. Let's see how it is. You'll be back. You'll all be back. When Durant comes, Durant, you'll all be back. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the weirdest thing in the world if you had me on in the on the national. No, they hour. can't do that. They can't. The do Heat that. Twitter president is coming on. Oh, how pissed? How pissed would Dan get if you even if you even uh, suggested that? I would never suggest it, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Alf, aren't you on enough 
on enough 790 shows already. Don't they talk about you enough, man? Yeah, it's weird. Not, they talk about you a lot, and then they don't mention this. Yeah, but they, not enough. I, <laughs> I, I, need, I need a weekend show, Mike. <laughs> I can't. <What's>, <laughs> no, hold on. Wait, Mike. Alf lobbies for this every time we have a guest from 790 or somebody on. He's like, I need a weekend show, Chris Whittingham. And then what he does is that he slams everybody on the ticket. It is weird. What what's your relationship with Joy? Because does she hate you? Because she should. I don't know. I uh, it was so weird. No, I don't. What happened is we just we argued and argued and argued and argued until we just came to a uh, an understanding, and then we became friendly. That's kind of how it happens with everybody. Okay. Uh, same thing happened with George. Um, I just bothered the crap out of you and your DMs forever. I apologize and, for him. No, no, no I know you're no, you don't. Mike, Mike enjoyed Mike enjoyed my my DMs, my constant my constant harassment. He Whatever mortifies me. I, no, I, I don't even know what he does, Mike, and it mortifies me just thinking about it. Yeah, it sounds so bad. You get a lot of weirdos. <laughs> Is he one of them? He's just one of many. We're trying to get some on our account. Have you seen that lately? The what? The weirdos in our account? Some of the DMs we've been getting? Oh my god, yeah. We randomly get random DMs, and you get it too, Alf. People just wanting sports opinions from you? It's so weird. Yeah, that's the best. People asking me for my... No, like, they'll they'll tag, and Mike's probably seen it. They'll tag, like, Mike Ryan, Stu Gotts, Ethan Skolnick, and Alf. <laughs> <laughs> like, asking for an opinion on a hot take. And I'm just like, where the how the hell did I fit in with all this? I mean, heavy is the head that wears the crown of heat president. Exactly. I think I'm a very I'm a very important man on Twitter. I know. Self-important man. (laughs) Very self-important. Yes. We've gone too long without discussing the game last night because we got really, really off track. But I do want to I think that this whole going hyper small thing is going to be really, really bad going forward. And I I think that's kind of obvious. Uh, They don't have a lot of options if they win the series going forward. Was that for me? Uh, it was. Just, it was an open question. This is how we do things. I give an open question, and whoever wants to talk talks. Because typically, I just wait for the other two guys, and I come in with something funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've built this whole career on. This is this is even messier. It's kind of like I say stuff, and I kind of look at somebody looks back, and then we kind of decide. I typically go last. You can That's go first. How. <laughs> how about this, Mike? You can go first now. Um, I thought it was weird those uh, those stats um, that Zach Lowe tweeted out. Uh, the connotation of going small is always you play at a quicker pace, right? Yeah. Like that's what you're supposed to get. And then you play the slowest pace that the NBA has seen. Not if you have Joe Johnson. Um, it just doesn't really make sense. And it was just odd watching it. One guy would get the ball and only one other person would move. Three people would come at whoever's on the ball. The one person that was moving would get the ball. Three people would go to that person. And just one other person would move. There was only one one action on each play down the court. Um, and when you go small, you just assume when you're watching the Miami Heat that multiple people are going to be running across the baseline, sort of using the baseline a- as a screener, as the Miami Heat did so well early on uh, against Charlotte. And um, I don't know what that was. Last night, I'm not used to seeing. <laughs> it was it was 90s basketball, but small with guards. <laughs> it was like every guard was seven played like a seven footer, but was six four. Like it was just it was bizarre. But you don't um, think that's a product of just Dwayne and 
Joe handling the ball and not Goran? Because Goran's not an off-ball cutter. He doesn't do a lot other than stand in the corner if he's not involved in the pick and roll. Perhaps, but I mean, here I go, just further entrenching myself. You sound, this, um, Mike. You sound stressed. <laughs> no, I mean it's just like you can't say anything bad about Goran Dragic. Like the guy's really like carved out uh, an incredible spot for a player that has a pretty high contract. Like I wish Whiteside. I mean, you would think Whiteside would get that sort of credit, but if he's a knucklehead, we've seen it on Twitter. It all works against him. It's like one big avalanche if he puts up one bad game, right? Yeah, Goran Dragic has, I don't know what it is about him, um, maybe Alf can uh, tell me, but if he has a bad game, he sort of escapes criticism, and if you go out there and point at it, the whole issue is not Goran Dragic, it's that Goran Dragic isn't getting the ball, and that's all cool, but when he's missing shots at the rim, and he's getting torched by Jeremy Lin and Kemba Walker, and he's not giving you much, like... It's worthy of criticism, and it makes it hard for me to just sit back and say, well, the guy that's not doing well should just be getting the ball more, especially when Dwayne Wade's been your best player this postseason. Well, I think, Mike, you're, you're kind of affected by, the, by the, like you said, that niche you've carved out for yourself because you get flooded with the Goran, Goran Dragon stuff. Like when I used to criticize white, white side a lot, I got a lot of that as well. Um, so it's, it's almost like every, every player has its stands. Like I'm one of the guys, if you say anything about Wade, I just jump all down. I jump down your throat and you know, it's, it's like every, every player has their stands and you just can't say anything bad about them. Yeah. It's like the, I just yeah. see, I, I feel, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but like everybody sees it with Whiteside. Like there isn't a single person, like if Whiteside has a bad game, it seems as though it's like a universal that knucklehead, we shouldn't give him like he Twitter is very emotional when it comes to Hassan Whiteside. And I mean, I think to a certain degree, it's a little bit warranted. Like people say, how do you guys careen so widely on Hassan Whiteside? Well, his play careens wildly. Sometimes he looks like the defensive player of the year and a generational big. And other times he looks like the guy that was rightfully in Lebanon. Um, it's just Goran Dragic can often be quiet and not effective and bad even when he, they do put the ball on his hands and he just seems to escape criticism and that's well, all that's all I was doing I'm no like, but I, I agree with I, what Mike's saying is that he if you criticize Goron it's usually propping up Dwayne not really putting Goron down well it's see I think thing. that's I think that's the thing with uh with Goron Goron criticism um usually comes like it's partnered up with Dwayne. So if, if you're criticizing, if you're criticizing Goron, um, you're, it's, it's like you said, just propping up Dwayne. It's like, because both of those guys have, have a direct blame for their play. So if Goron's not playing well, you, you say, Oh, it's because Dwayne has the ball too much. And that's an easy go-to. But like when Hassan's not playing well, there isn't an automatic, okay, this is the person we blame it usually ends up going to Spo, right? If if you're going to blame someone for uh, Hassan not playing well, oh, Spo's not getting him the ball. Spo's not calling plays for him. Um, if you're going to criticize him, but like, but Spo has so many stands. That, so when Hassan plays, when Hassan doesn't play well, a lot of people just end up blaming Hassan. So I think um, what happened, like what ha- like what Mike is saying, what happens with Goron is maybe it's just because that there's a, there's. You can. It's easier to point out the reason when Goron plays poorly. Okay, but like take last night for example. It's a small lineup. 
Hassan Whiteside is out. Dwayne Wade comes out in the first quarter, and they give that offense over to Goran Dragic. They put uh, Tyler Johnson in the lineup with him at the two-guard. We saw that be effective earlier in the year when they were still trying to find their way. They put in the small lineup for Goran Dragic, and the offense took a dump. And that's your, that's your $82 million man. Like, that's your time to shine. That's your go-ahead, we need you, be the second-best player. This is your time. And when he doesn't do something with the opportunity, sometimes it could be on him too. And that doesn't mean I hate him as a person. That just means, hey, look, the guy that's making $82 million, it's fair to call him out the way that you call the guy out who's not even making a million dollars. Like, it's, it's reasonable. And it's all, you can also do that while genuinely rooting for the guy to find um, his rhythm and make the team better. Um, people assume that I just hated Goran Dragic's rise. No, I didn't. I was like, the team was playing better when, when he figured it out. I hated the mentions. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I hated. I think what's been exposed is Goran's ability to, and I think we saw this early on in the season too, but his ability to not play make when there's no spread pick and roll because guys, I, I know that a lot of the, the threes are contested, but guys are going in the paint. Toronto has guys in the paint, right? So they, they're, and a lot of times on the pick and rolls, they're not stepping out. And that's kind of bothered Dwayne a bit. But I think it's affected Goron more. So Biombo is not stepping out on the pick and rolls. He's kind of laying back. So it doesn't give Goron the space to maneuver. And he's not, and I think Mike has, has given voice to this, he's not great enough to transcend these these issues, right? So Correct, correct. And, and I just don't think he's $82 million enough, good enough. To attack, like Dwayne Wade's 34 years old. He's got three guys on him, and with 12 seconds left in a game, in a situation nobody ever gets to the rim, he gets to the rim. Goran Dragic, his forte is getting to the rim and finishing. And if there was ever a situation for that, it would have been last night. And what happens? Dwayne Wade bails you out again. And it's like, just like, come on, dude, we can point out that maybe Goran needs to be better without hating and slandering against the, the great Slovenian name and wanting him deported. Like, it doesn't have to be so extreme. Like, you can request the guy to be better. Because, let me tell you something, at the beginning of the season, he'll tell you he was out of shape. And when I was ranting against Goran Dragic, he wasn't the best point guard on the roster at the time. Now, Tyler Johnson couldn't handle the ball <laughs> to save his he life. He couldn't get I, it over half. Yeah, <laughs> and I was, I was not just a little wrong. I was incredibly wrong about that one comparison. But as the season's played out, when the emergence of Josh Richardson, like you can see, especially with Goran not necessarily rising to the level worthy of his contract, if you want some added flexibility, I think it's pretty hard to argue that he hasn't made himself expendable a little bit here with his play. I think Goran, I think I, I, what we're seeing is he's not making guys better, but guys can make him better. Yeah. So it's just not what you would. No, yeah. And it's fair a, to criticize that. Point guard. If like, Richardson I, is hitting his shots and Johnson's hitting his shots, all of a sudden Goran's a hell of a lot better because now he has room and he's great with room. He's him and Dwayne. I mean, more so him in space. Terrific. Dwayne is better at, and he's a, he's a stronger guard. He's bigger. But these guys not hitting shots, they're not doing Goran any favors. So what Mike's saying has some validity. I knew but this it, would just turn into me bashing Goran Dragic. We're not bashing oh, well, Goran. Like, well, I'm with you, dude. I want your island, man. Let's well, go. I wanted the part of the bashing thing. I wanted uh, uh, to ask you guys, is, do you think this is every fan base that does this where, like, you, like, why does it always have to be such an extreme? 
You know, like you that's, can. That's you a great can, question, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fantastic question, and I think Twitter became a thing when the Miami Heat's big three became a thing, right? So, like, I feel like most franchises could have just like sort of waded in the waters and, and figured out like <laughs> emotion and how it applies to social media. <laughs> Um, but that was a, that was a pure baptism by, by fire. Like we logged in, we were all eggs and everybody hated us from the get go, Yeah, you know, and you carry that with you. We all have the PTSD. We all want to yell at Skip Bayless still. <laughs> like it's in us. Charles like, said like if, one thing at halftime. And we miss it so bad. It feel, yeah. It feels like Heat Twitter was born out of defiance. Yeah. Like Heat Twitter is, and, and just this fan base uh, is all about it. We 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 got into it just to defend LeBron and defend our, the big three and defend the Heat. And now it's like there's no one to defend against, so we basically cannibalize ourselves. And I'm not even going to act like I'm not one of the main people who do it because I am and I enjoy it. You can ask Johnny. Like I sit there with a smile on my face, Mike, like slander. The, the, the day the Heat lost to Charlotte was it Game Three? Game it was three, Game yeah. Three against Charlotte when they when they got their ass kicked. Alf's after the game on his phone, smiling with the biggest smile he had all night, just trashing people on the internet. I just feel like we were, as a fan base, collectively, we were indoctrinated into this weird subhuman Twitter species culture thing, mm-hmm. you know? More so than any other fan base, because as Twitter rose to prominence, the heat were established as universally, that's who you hate. So everybody's literally just swinging, well, not literally, but swinging like these torches trying to protect the guy with the, that just made a, a simple decision. And it was just, it was a ridiculous reaction to. Um, and we kind of miss that, but we're also just so used to it that if someone says something about Goran Dragic, the initial reaction isn't, let's hear this out, let's talk this out in de- intelligently. It's, you know, memes and horse dogs. <laughs> right. Have you been crying Jordan face yet after that after that game seven Dragic game? One thing I don't miss is the horse dongs. No, those are the best. That was peaky Twitter. That was savagery. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that like Jordan face is is nothing compared to that. So I'm 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 good getting Jordan faced. It's all yeah. good. When they did the horse thing to uh somebody's like four year old son. <laughs> Like I don't know if you guys remember that. I was like, okay, we got to stop. We got to cut this out. Well, no, I feel like there there should be rules. <laughs> yeah, like you, the kids are off limits. And people ask, people ask me, oh, why don't you post your real picture or pictures of your family on Twitter? I'm like, excuse me. Like, have you seen my Twitter account? Like, do you think I need you savages knowing what I look like, what my kids look like? And no, I'm I'm where I work. No, we're 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 gonna keep that all offline, please. <laughs> Alf, I remember you posted a picture of like your son at a basketball court, and you posted your Avi on top of his face. Yes, sir, because no one's gonna know what my kids look like, and no one's gonna know what I look like. We're gonna keep it at that until until maybe I calm down a little bit. Until you get a weekend shift over at the ticket and then you Well then then we yeah. might have to come out of the shadows. <laughs> you might you might have to scrub your Twitter account of a lot of memes. Oh my, I might, I, that thing just needs to be deleted and we got to start over. <laughs> start over, man. Yeah, that thing like oh I I I fear the day that thing goes public and if my job gets a hold of that, it's that's like, going to be... It's like Larry Nance. It's like what he, what he said about Kobe all those years ago and it came back to bite him in the ass. <laughs> yeah. 
We're, we're that's going to happen to me with if I if 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 I ever got an interview at the ticket, they're just going to pull up all my tweets about Zazlo in the morning. Shows. Oh God, you so feel your background. <laughs> yeah, but check. you but you hold on, you at them. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm not afraid. What were you say, Mike? Mike, you were say? we're ten years away from like a really well. I mean, heck, we're already there with like a really fun presidential election with just what people have done crazily on Twitter. Like that'll get you the Republican nomination today. <laughs> but just like that's a good like, point. Like, but like, imagine it. Like, there's going to be so much stupid stuff on like every party. Just like I used to fear, like when someone would take a Polaroid, I'm like, man, I'm drinking a beer at 18. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. <laughs> and now they're just all these pictures of me with horse dongs on it. And <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just oh, curious to God. see how we as a society navigate this one. Yeah, because no, nobody's going to have a clean Facebook record, you know, when if, when you're 50 years old running for president. Like, there's going to be pictures of everybody doing something uh, salacious. Didn't that happen to the president? There's some video of him smoking weed or something. A while Obama? Ago? Yeah, is it some years ago? Ah, nobody cares about that stuff anymore. <laughs> about uh, weed's legal and no, I'm just saying like, that, 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 that stuff. What Mike's talking about is our, it's uh, it's. I was gonna say prophetic. Is that yeah. a word? Yeah, I was I was talking like it was off in the distance, and I realized that the Republican. It's like now, like yeah, it's actually, it's actually happening, and it doesn't actually really seem to matter. Well, they're doing it to Trump. They're just putting up tweets of him saying how much he loves the Clintons. Yeah, I saw one today. He tweeted out uh, a couple of years ago. I've never seen a thin person drinking a diet coke. <laughs> <laughs> and just like it's kind of crazy. Like, can you imagine Harry S. Truman being quoted? Like, <laughs> like. I've never seen a thin person. Drink God, like, oh, those history books. Like a railroad or wherever. Like, oh like that guy's he's running for president. I'm not making a political commentary here. It's just fascinating. <laughs> this is tweeting, the guy man. who's running for the highest office. And that's like the like the tamest Donald Trump tweet. Yeah, he's, from, he's a reality <laughs> TV star. Like, we've come full circle. Like, a reality TV star is the Republican nominee for president. Like, like we've basically... Reach peak USA or peach Mer- peak America. We can't turn away. That's the interesting part. Oh no, it's a train wreck, and we love it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, <laughs> and America, <laughs> America loves a good train. It's like it's like my one of my favorite Dave Spell jokes. Uh, he was him in the Laugh Factory, and he's like, "You don't go to watch a tiger show to watch a tiger show. You're like this motherfucker might get bit. Like <laughs> that's why you go to the tiger show." But um, why I actually wanted to. What, what kind of touch on what Mike was talking about, how like you can't just criticize like I'm not on the fire Spo bandwagon. You guys know I am like the staunchest defender of Eric Spolstra. But like after game three, like I made some comments of like, dude, like I just don't understand some of the lineups. And I even said I couched I just it think with, it's a weird thing to get mad at. No, but it's not mad. Like, I just, no, I just didn't understand why Justice didn't play. Or I didn't understand why Joe Johnson is playing 36 minutes but and he Alf, looks gassed. if somebody were to give you an explanation for that, you would nobody would want to hear it. It's like, oh, no, you can I'd think, love to hear. I can think of a thousand reasons why they went no Goron and they went no Winslow. But it's like, nobody wants to hear that. You can give the most valid, thought out answer for that. And because it didn't work, you're going to be mad. No, but I do. I would love to hear why. Like, that's my thing. I do. Like, I would love to for someone. But Spoh's never going to give you like a like a 100 percent honest answer. But I but I think it's OK to question some of these things. I always couch it with the fact, like, listen, I'm not in practice. I don't know what they know. I have one one thousandth of the information that they have. But 
why can't it, why can't that be the conversation? And why does it have to either careen to, oh, you're bashing Spo or let's fire Spo? I think that's one of the things about Twitter that is, and I, like Mike is saying, it all came with the big big three era. Like it was all about either going, you know, riding a parade float or die. Like there was no in between. But we've gotten to a point where we can't even have a simple conversation without it careening in every other direction. But Alf, you don't think that's a product of just the nature of what Twitter is. Think about Twitter. You follow people that you want to hear from. And if their opinions don't align with yours, you unfollow, you mute, you block. So what you create is this insulated community that you yourself has built. So if there is dissenting opinions, you usually get mad at them, get rid of them, mute them, or block them. So then what you create in Twitter is this, everybody's, everybody agrees with you. And then the second someone doesn't, it's so foreign to you that you kind of snap. You're like, what the hell's wrong with you? It's just the nature and what it is. It, it's like we as a society are so divided, more divided than ever on so many things, on race, on politics, on sports than ever. And what Twitter's done is we further we've we've made these lines so bold and dark that it's like I'm over here. You're over here. This is my community. This is your community. And if you kind of flip flop in the middle, that that's what you're talking about. I don't know. But if you see like Miami Hurricanes Twitter or I'm in Cleveland Browns Twitter or if you see like is that a sad place? It's it's super sad. Um, or or Toronto Raptors or Charlotte Hornets Twitter as you kind of get sucked into as these teams sort of play each other. They were mean. I feel like they can get away with pointing something out like, oh, Marvin Williams is terrible just because he's been awful for three uh, for three games in a series, and you don't have to worry about old takes exposed coming after you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like what Al said in the beginning, when we were all learning this thing, it was parade float or die because you felt like you had the best team out there. That was always the reaction. You couldn't say something negative because ultimately you would have the satisfaction of lifting the trophy at the end of the season and you'd be validated. So that's why people were so uh, extreme. But as the team's gotten worse and sort of devolved, we haven't evolved with that, and we're still stuck in the um, the reaction that we had, the, the reactionary um, sort of cycle that we had when the big three were here. And we just can't all collectively say, hey, maybe we're not that good and you're allowed to criticize Goran Dragic. But I, I don't think you're remembering it right, Mike, because I remember during those years, it was a lot of get Wade's ass off the floor and a lot of fighting because of that. I remember it was partial camps and, and he, they didn't like Spo. Other people didn't just because that team brought yeah, in Spoh, so many new people. Yeah, Spo 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 was a different case because when you score eight points in your very first quarter together and you see the greatness that is Dwayne Wade and you assume that Chris Bosch and LeBron James are who they are and you see not Pat Riley at that point because it wasn't Eric Spolster. It was just not Pat Riley. Like, I felt so bad for that guy. Um, he was the only <laughs> real person that was open. It was open season for, for Spolster. There was Fire Spo, and that wasn't one of those. That, that was my homepage in high school. Yeah, there, it, you could put that out there, and it wasn't one of those that that you'd get killed on. Um, it was really rough for that guy. But the Dwayne stuff, the Dwayne stuff, I remember the latter years, it was Dwayne can't play. Like, get Dwayne off the floor. Like, Dwayne's uh, hashtag see, without Wade. But that's when it started, especially the last year. That's when it started to go the other direction. Because like like what Mike is saying, 
We used to infight, but at the end of the day, somebody like Jason Whitlock would say something and it was like, okay, we'll put this aside for now. Let's go savage this guy. Yeah. We don't have that guy. Now yeah. it's you. Now it's you. Yeah, yeah, but see, that's not right because Mike is one of us. Like, I know you're national now, Mike, but you're still one of us. But we got all crazy about Brian Windhorse's uh, thing about Goron and Dwayne today. Like, everyone got all crazy about it because it was finally something. Somebody gave us something. But, man, it's going to be like four days before someone says something negative again. And then, so, know what I have to do? I have to go bring up old Mike Ryan tweets. <laughs> Or Dan. <laughs> or Dan. Or Dan or, well, but you, or I think Barkley just said Dwayne ain't that old and Twitter got so mad at Barkley. Dude, Barkley said nothing. Like I, I I was I went back like what are we mad at? Like I tried to watch it again. Barkley didn't even say anything, but it was just something, man. We needed something. And he has a history, so <laughs> the worst part the most the worst part about Barkley is that he doesn't have a Twitter account. So you just feel like you're just screaming at air. <laughs> yes, like that's just, exactly it. <laughs> you're just shaking your fist. Like, because I, I just want Barkley to block me so I know that I got to him. But he, it just will never happen. What's your list of people who's blo- who blocked you? Oh, oh, dude, I can't. I don't. Mike, there's you, no, make him out rush more. Am I blocked by Dan Gilbert? You're not part of E-Twitter unless you're blocked by Dan yeah, Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, I was blocked by Dan Gilbert. <laughs> Welcome. I was blocked by Dan Gilbert. I was blocked by Charles Robinson of Yahoo. But I think <laughs> oh, God. I've, I've since been unblocked. Um, and also I'm blocked by Vanessa Borge, local traffic person here. Local. I don't <laughs> Wait, know what, what did you I, do? I, I don't know. I'm fairly certain it's an accident, but I'm blocked by her. <laughs> That's my thing of Veronica. <laughs> oh, Mike, so you, because you don't know, Brian accidentally blocked somebody who eventually joined our staff. And she, I was like, you have to talk to Brian so he can set you up with an account to write. And she goes, he blocked me. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, I'm, blo- I'm blocked by Richard Deitch, too. Yeah. Really? I yeah. finally got blocked by Darren Ravel. <laughs> but how'd you get blocked by Richard? Uh, he, uh, I was saying something helpful um, <laughs> that he uh, misconstrued as something insulting. Condescending? Yeah, but I was genuinely trying to be helpful. And um, he seemed um, to take himself way too seriously. And I'm actually not sad about that one. I wasn't even following him at the time, so it's not. <laughs> I just kind of a not a scumbag. He's just a douchebag. Yeah, dude, you're you're becoming popular because of my slanderous ways. I'm on the backs of your hatred. Yeah, it's on the back of my my. That my... is some sort of rationalization there. <laughs> I feel like Alf is like my Sugats, which I'm just writing him to popularity while he guest books for me. <laughs> and I'm I'm good at it. Look, I got Mike Ryan, the famous Mike Ryan of ESPN, of television's Mike Ryan. Formerly beloved Mike Ryan. Formerly beloved Mike Ryan. That should be your Twitter name. That should fun. be the name of the podcast episode. Formerly beloved Mike Ryan. Mike, I do want to talk to you, and I, I didn't hear the show today, but I think people were complaining because you guys were making fun of Goran Dragic's defense. And uh, his defense has been really good in the playoffs. I did not make fun of Goran Dragic's defense. Who made fun of him? It was Dan, okay. (laughs) I have enough Goran Dragic's (laughs) Oh, you just stay away from that? Like, when he brings it up, you just don't even look at the microphone? No, because I just... Honestly, like, even if I think somebody's a bad defender, I'm always worried that Uptown, like, report is just going to, like, tweet at me. (laughs) Oh, God. Are you blocked by him, Alf? No, we've... I think I unfollowed him because we would just constantly argue, but... 
that guy. Yeah, you can never like you could say like you could say Josh McRoberts is afraid to shoot, and he'll like give you some sort of Venn diagram as to why <laughs> as to why your eyes are lying to you, and I just I just can't. I just, man, Mike, you need to stand on that mountaintop with defiance, man, and just middle fingers. Let them come at you, man, and just knock them, knock them away like flies, dude. That's what you have to do. Can't be afraid. I'll take it. Look, look. Like historically, um, I was so wrong on Tyler Johnson v. Goran Dragic, even though it was sort of mutated to that, and in a Twitter age, that like that was the bottom line. I felt like I was making fairly rational points about Goran Dragic, and it just got boiled down to one of the things that I said, which was stupid and wrong and proven (laughs) wrong, thusly and swiftly. Um, but yeah, like it's just a uh, Twitter sucks sometimes, man. <laughs> it's a horrible place. But you can't and stay Twitter away. Twitter is the worst of all the places. Oh, which is. is also like a badge of honor for he Twitter um, nationally. At least it was, and now I'm, I just miss it terribly. I want people to talk talk about it so We're bad. Just an angry bunch. That's why we all want to play. Now, I don't know if we want to play the Cavs without Hassan, because that is specifically Hassan. That's the reason why you've sort of talked yourself into having a chance, because if Kevin Love's going to be at the five, Hassan's just going to eat his lunch the entire time. It's just going to be Lob City. Are you stealing Amin's takes? Um, what, is that an Amin take? I think it is an Amin take. I think he said it on your show. Yeah, yeah, no, he said it on the show, but like that was, but I mean, that was fairly obvious. Well, like, that's like I the mean, that's a prevailing notion. That- yeah, I mean, LeBron was afraid to go at Roy Hibbert, and he was a trash can. <laughs> like this guy is an athletic dude, and if he ain't there, and it's what we saw last night, like shoot, I thought I wanted that, but do I really now? No, we we'll, we will be defiant to the end. You know that it could we be. We really game- miss. We really miss it, and people will be talking about us, and we'll actually oh. have people to yell at. So, if I'm going in, and I feel like I already have the excuse in the back pocket that hey, we don't have Chris Bosh. What do you expect of us to do? <laughs> exactly. It's a full season. It's win a game, <laughs> and we got the cool Dwayne moments, which which is pretty rad. So, but like watching last night, I was like, "Woof! Do I really want this?" I'm yeah. Glad- but man, it's gonna suck game three when we're <laughs> blown out at home. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna want it until it's game four, fourth quarter, down by twenty five, about to get swept. And they're like then that's when all the excuses are gonna are gonna come out. And I mean, that will be the day Heat Twitter burns. No, it's you know, it's, I mean, it's just gonna be them sending pictures of beaches to Cleveland Twitter. That's no, all you know, no, no, no. I don't I, I don't think before. so. Oh, it's just pictures of Seth Curry because that's all we got. Like Heat Twitter. Oh, at that point, like, yeah. That game sucked last night, even though we won. The real Heat Twitter victory was Steph Curry in <laughs> overtime. Like, that's what it was. It's coming for you, dude. It's coming mm-hmm. for you. What were you saying? I cut you off. I'm sorry. I said, mm-hmm. Oh. It was a very important thing that I said. Mm-hmm. Cut me off. Mm-hmm. Brian, in uh, post-production, uh, could you make that really loud and echo? I'll, I'll amplify it by with like, compression. Reverb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I have a better question for you guys on one topic. You're not allowed to talk. No, I'm going to go with this question. Because I saw it on Twitter, and it really, really made me think. If you had to choose between being Cleveland and not getting Durant, or getting Durant and not being Cleveland, which would you choose? This is incredibly corny. I don't want to participate. What was the question again? Being Cleveland and not getting... Beating Cleveland. Oh, beating Cleveland. And and no Durant. No Durant or losing losing Cleveland Cleveland and get Durant. Wow. How do you lose to Cleveland? Sweep? Sure. <laughs> but, but the Heat get Durant. But the Heat get Durant. 
or you could beat. I mean, you could beat Cleveland. Not you could beat team. LeBron James. And is this Cleveland fully healthy? Why are you Houston? smiling so much, Brian? You're so because I want to see what else says. Oh, did I? First of all, I would. Yeah, I would take beating Cleveland. No, I, I would. I don't. You, no, you, you guys know me. Cleveland next year with Durant. You guys know me. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm. I don't think too far ahead. Like I think in the here and now. And maybe it's because I'm older than you guys. Who knows what happens to me next year when we, if we got Durant? I want to beat Cleveland now. Mike? See, to me, I think you're asking me, do I want to beat Cleveland once or potentially beat Cleveland <laughs> three times? And as much as it'll suck this year, I think I want the hope of Kevin Durant and whatever Bosch becomes um, and talking myself into having a chance of beating them for the next three years. So I'm going to take getting Kevin Durant, because all, then all of a sudden it all comes back. You start mattering again because we'll talk ourselves into it and the trash talk will be epic and it would be such a great victory, but then we're just going to get swept in four. Oh, we're going to get crushed. And then we're going to realize, hey, winning the championship's really cool, even though like beating LeBron was kind of like that, but it's not, <laughs> you know? like Yeah, we- that was a proper perspective. My answer was dumb. <laughs> But ask me, but ask me when we're up, you know, 54, 52 headed into the third quarter and I'll give you a completely different. You want, yeah, you will, you will want that right then and there. Mm-hmm. Was it fun? Was it fun answering a hypothetical without Dan yelling at you about it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Refreshing. You're welcome. Refreshing. And I'm still afraid that he's going to tell me that I was wrong. <laughs> wrong! <laughs> like he's going to text me that my, my answer on the hypothetical is wrong. You were able to do bad radio and no one yelled at you for it. It's awesome. Well, I don't want to do it, so I kind of feel bad now. <laughs> I would like when I did predict prediction radio with Sedano when Johnny lost his yeah, freaking mind. We had Sedano and, and I was like, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. People like predictions. No, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want I don't I, I don't do that on my stupid student radio show at FIU. I don't do it here. Like, no. Predictions are fun. They're easy. Well, they get mad at me because when we do predictions for like the football games, I'll just give like ridiculous scores. It'll be like 167 to 0.3. You do big game, not a big game. No, they, well, like they they do it to annoy me at this point where they go, all right, predictions, and they put on like the music, and then they they like, oh, I think we're FIU is going to win against UF UCF, uh, 17 to 10, and then they go to me, and I don't want to do it, but they don't like end the segment until I do it, so I go like 138 to four. Like in recorded history, has anyone gotten to be the more right person because his final score was closer? I hate the, the I hate guy the guy that, that gets it right. But like, when does that ever happen? You know, like uh, like Monday Night Countdown, like when everybody makes their picks and they just throw out a score. Like they don't just argue when the guy gets a high five everybody and say, "Well, I was seven points within the actual total, so I'm smarter than everybody." Exactly. Even though we all had Patriots, like it's just a dumb thing. Scores. If you, if you, and then the the whole the whole thing with predictions, it's fun, but it's like it's not like there's no accountability toward for a prediction. I mean, that was one thing that was used to be fun with Heat Twitter. Like we held people accountable every time they picked against the Heat. Like we were insane or with Will it. Bond. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like, now, no, now now we're held in check. That godforsaken old takes exposed. I'm terrified <laughs> to put in anything. Like I got, I got old takes exposed on a please, dear God, don't put Josh Richardson back in, and like oh, it's no. The no context. There's zero context. When I mean Josh Richardson got sent to the D League after I sent that, like he it was, was terrible. At he the was time. unplayable before. He was awful. He was awful at the time. No context, just out there. 
out there to awful. make you look awful place. bad. My favorite one of yours is uh, I think it's the. This is my least favorite heat roster at all time. <laughs> Hashtag deuces. Hey, at the time though, <laughs> at the time, at the time, I White defended you. Peak, Whiteside was peak knucklehead, and at the like in late December, early January, there were, there wasn't a more frustrating player than Hassan Whiteside. Gerald Green. Where, oh. like, every game I have to play, guess where his legs will land. And Josh McRoberts not passing. Like, it was just a crazy, hateable team at the time. Like, those guys are unlikable. Like, <laughs> like, think about it. Josh McRoberts had it so easy. He was white with a ponytail. All he had to do was put up, like, eight and four. And we would have been good. That's true. We would have turned him into a hero. I still That's like McRoberts. I still given like McRoberts minutes. Oh, I'm all about McBob minutes. I wrote a story about that a while ago, and I was so pleased with myself. And like, nobody... all he had to do was just like not be what he's been. He's like, not as shoot. he's not as bad as I mean. He's been incredible defensively. He's just just a bad offensive player. He's been a pleasant surprise defensively, but like, come on, like we all we all thought this would go differently. Yes, come on, say oh. with me. We all <laughs> thought this would go differently. Oh, definitely, yeah. We all did. It's okay to say we had the best. We I had the best you. starting lineup on paper. Uh, you 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 couldn't tell me different coming into the season. Like I was like second seed or bust. Um, you got to make the ECF. And like now, I would just. Oh God, Johnny's gonna say something about me saying the ECF. Whatever. Um, How did you but, read my mind? Don't, but we made this. I mean, we're in the second round. Like. I'm pretty cool with it. I, I know I'm going to be pissed off if we don't get to the finals, but Mike is right, man. The expectations this summer were, were I mean, were pretty damn lofty. But they, but they were self-imposed because I don't think the country felt that way. It was kind of like, it felt like the Dolphins, how like the Dolphins are everybody's dark horse every year now. So that's well, kind of what the heat felt like. And then when you think about when Mike wrote that, what was that, December? That was going into that circus road. Like, we knew, like, the January and February were going to be, like, we were convinced that we were going to come out of January and February, like, last place in the East. January was so bad. I mean, it would, it came out better than we thought it would. But, you know, at, like, like Mike is saying, there was no con, you know, at the time, that was pretty, it was a pretty rough time, when, especially when you're pro- projecting forward. Uh, you didn't know Bosch was going to go down. They were going to reinvent the lineup. You didn't know Joe Johnson was coming. You didn't know Josh Richardson, you know. And that's funny. Like, we, we like, you know, a lot of people are cocky and sitting here and acting like, yeah, the, you know, if we get to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, yeah, you know, I predicted this. Like, even I mean, like, you, you predict. No, this is not even close to the team that we thought was going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Not even close. And it would be <laughs> such a tremendous achievement just to get past this, uh, this round. Their so best, really pl- their best player went down. Their best player went th- down, and arguably their third best player went down within the series, even though he's getting absolutely bullied by Valanciunas. Like, this is a crazy achievement if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and I don't think if it, end, if it ends in, a, in an embarrassing sweep or maybe they get a token win against, against Cleveland that'll allow us to be all excited, I still think we'll be lacking in perspective oh, and how amazing this was behind the 34 year old that everybody said was washed in 2012, you know, yeah. like it's so cool what Dwayne's doing. Um, yeah. and, and, and to be able to say you were one of those final four and, and for Kevin Durant to actually look at you in the off season and say, Hey, 
they're a me away. Like, it's a huge success if they get past Toronto. Phenomenal season. What was that? Someone sneezed? No, me. Wow, I thought you were going to go. I thought that was my, no, I just heard a big pop. I think that was my water bottle. Anyway. (laughs) What? uh, (laughs) No, but like, even if they lose to Toronto, you know, it was like, it's like last night when I saw uh, Spo closing with that lineup, I wrote on Twitter and I was like, listen, win or lose, like I can walk away from this game happy that we went out, we were, we're, that we're going down with this lineup on the floor, even though I did want, want Josh Richardson over, in over Joe Johnson, but whatever, like, whatever, we're all wrong sometimes. But, like, perspective wise, like, if they, even if they lose this series, considering everything that they've gone through now, losing two of their starting lineup, like Mike said, two of their top three players, arguably, like, losing in this round is not like, it's not the end of the world. It's actually, you know, it's a successful season in my eyes. I think what, and I, another thing that was not talked about enough is how cool it is that Udonis is just on the floor and not hurting them. Uh, like, as far as somebody who's grown up with the team, watching Udonis Haslam play decent minutes and just be able to be out there and not suck, it's really but, cool. Especially you know, with- and that, that perspective is interesting because it, it, it lends to the whole Wade argument this summer, like, you know, let Wade walk. And I just never understood that because, like, how cool is this? Like Mike is saying, how cool is this it's at thirty four years old? It's the best. It might be the best story in the in a playoffs that have been kind of lackluster to this point. Like what Dwayne is doing is incredible. But you know what? If we let him walk, you know, this summer for cap space, I mean, what what, what would we be talking about right now? You know, it's and it's it's almost like, I, and I was one of these people who bashed the Lakers fans for not being upset at that Kobe contract. What were the Lakers going to do anyway? But you know what? This last season of Kobe and the, the farewell tour was probably cool, cool as hell cool. to a Lakers fan. So sometimes it's like, I, I just wish people would look at it and say, like Ethan said this on his show today, he's like, just appreciate what Dwayne is doing. And really, like we should all just be enjoying this. But instead, if we lose this series, like we are going to cannibalize each other and we're going to fire Spo, we're going to trade Dwayne. We're going to torch Goron. That's that's so weird for a number of reasons. One of them, and I think the chief one being, how are we, like, even in loss, that, that game that he put up 38 and Haslam played great, really well, rather not great, but that game was so cool. And even though they lost at the end, are you going to forget that? I mean, I, I, I guess winning is in the margins and the only people that are allowed to be, to have memories are the winners. But as far as losers go, that was a pretty memorable loss. Dwayne being excellent, being the center of attention, being the only game on, the nation watching, and having Haslam play. And every time the announcer's like, oh, Udonis Haslam still doing this all these years later. Like, it's just something memorable despite their loss. Somebody? Uh, I was waiting for Mike. Yeah. Mike? I was going to be the third voice again. No, I told you, you go first. I was a, we established ground rules. You go first. You're the guest. Yes, it's very cool. However, I was screaming yesterday when Spo decided to put Haslam in and his big plan was to put Haslam on the ball. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't like, <laughs> Did anyone else notice that like like Spo put Haslam on the ball and I think Joe Johnson was guarding Patterson who was like uh, who was tough to deal with on the on the boards and the cross match was 
a backcourt player, I think initially with Udonis Haslam. And Sloan yeah. immediately called for a switch, which, duh, couldn't happen because they got the ball in quick because there's 12 seconds left. Yeah, then UD, like, turned his back and ran. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, it just it was, it looked really funny. I it, Like, we're lucky that it was Corey Joseph because um, that was, like, not the greatest move, but it ended up working out for the, uh, you know, for the, the anti-SPO people out there. I thought that was, okay, we're going to trust Udonis Haslam. How about we just camp him under the basket, though, and, like, trust him to do what he can do well? Out there covering an entire court with plant- uh, with a plantar fascia, like I didn't think that was the greatest move. But he, I mean, he hoofed it back. Didn't he? <laughs> he did. Everybody, I like. I didn't even really watch the shot. I was just watching in amazement that Udonis Haslam. They decided I like, to put him on the ball. I feel like he realized with everybody else, what the hell am I doing down here? <laughs> Dumbass <laughs> decision. What is going on, dude? What like he turned around and ran. Like. <laughs> Oh, like, I thought I his foot why, was hurt. Like, I I get why I'm out here, but why the hell am I way out here? <laughs> like, did he think they were they were inbounding from their own baseline? Like, he, was it? He was, I, I honestly thought they thought. Do they think it's a side out? Like, what is happening? <laughs> but that's what I thought. I was like, "Whoa! Did like did Spo not know they were going full court?" And like, I'm telling, you, that I was think, the funniest I think, thing. I, I mean, I, when I just saw you, Don- the, the plan couldn't have been. For Udonis Haslam to pick up the Toronto Raptors backcourt full court, <laughs> yeah. Dude, but you, you know I I know I noted this or like how much fun is it when Wade is playing that free safety on an inbounds play? Oh my god! And he's just because that's he he was part of the reason that they had that five second violation in overtime. Um, when he plays that free safety and he's just roaming. On an inbounds play, and then you have Justice locking something. You know, they, they Justice keys in on the guy that everyone knows getting the ball, and they just lock them up. Like it's just, it, to me, it's just so enjoyable to watch. But then I watch that play again. I don't know what the Raptors were doing. Like they oh, were yeah. just I mean, standing at, there. At the end of the day, like you're going against Dwayne Casey, who, by the way, deserves a little credit because, like in overtime, he decided their game plan was we're going to go at Joe Johnson. We're going to get the cross match. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some triggers, and we're gonna get Joe Johnson in the paint, and we're gonna go right at him. And Joe Johnson's credit, like he answered every time out. But yeah, that was predict- a good job by Casey. And the that was ball like a really the good thing he did. Rosen. Predi- predictably, Joe Johnson had two blocks and a steal in the overtime, so everyone knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, we all knew that was coming. <laughs> but see, that's one of those Just process like results type things because Mike pointed out like what a great decision it was, but nobody's giving uh, Casey credit today. Because they lost, but man, I mean, that was the those right back in their those defense. Players executed too, like they got the matchups each time out, and Joe Johnson all of a sudden became Michael Jordan. It's Corey <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> like, dude, who, who? How shook were you when Corey Joseph had the ball at the end, dude? Listen. I'm just generally a nervous, nervous person. I mean, <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, anybody but him. I well, I was like, I was just like, it was weird. What's happened in the series is weird. I'm just like, give it to DeRozan. Yes, <laughs> give yes. It, give it, please give it to their all-star. Casey then, put like, him it in. It looked like the whole universe was going against him in that game because DeRozan dribbles the ball off of his foot. Peak incompetence, right? No, like, just hit Gordon in the face. And it pegs Gordon in the face. And then you have the, the play that nobody's ever seen before with the ball just, like, stuck on the rim. And then it oh. goes into a jump ball that's Toronto ball. And you're like, 
I've already lived through the Kyle Lowry shot in game one. Like, this is just, this is, of course, Hall of Fame. I couldn't deal with Corey Joseph ending my season. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way I want to go out. No, like, all my perspective that's about this exactly. being a great season would have gone out the effing window <laughs> if Corey Joseph ended it. I honestly, I, I don't, I wouldn't have watched game five. I'm lying. I would have. <laughs> Somebody, I think somebody, I, I'm trying to find the tweet, but I, I want to give them credit. But somebody tweeted that this is the worst, highest intensity game ever. <laughs> it really was. It's bad basketball, but great drama. It was bad basketball, but it was kind of good basketball because it was like exciting and everybody like, it felt like college basketball, but with players you actually trust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it was, there was a college feel yes, to it. That's a, that's a great description. The entire series has really been that. So bad, but it's weird because they used to play such beautiful basketball. Pace and Space, Ray Allen and Shane Batty. I think Mike, I I, I was doing some research. A couple Dude, don't weeks talk ago. about it like it was that long ago. Two weeks <laughs> ago, feels- I saw four seventy two in the first half. Oh yeah, man, exactly. <laughs> you're kind of right. Uh, I was doing some research, and that team, that big three team, had five guys shooting over forty percent from three: LeBron, Chalmers, Battier, Allen, and Miller, all over forty percent. How many does he, uh, this Heat squad have? Uh, I don't even want to look. And I know before last night, Joe Johnson had not attempted a corner three in this playoff series. They have the best shooter in the playoffs, the best three-point shooter in the playoffs right now, Dwayne yeah, Wade. Dwayne His Wade. name is Wade, Wade Johnson. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, how crazy has this series been? So all of a sudden, Dwayne Wade's shooting threes. We can't score more than 80. Um, <laughs> like, Hassan Whiteside goes out and, like, Mike you said, Dude, was picking dudes up at half Dude, court. <laughs> <laughs> full, full court press when Adonis has some, press. maybe by mistake, to pick up DeMar DeRozan full court. So you can't tell me these haven't these games haven't been fun. Like oh, I literally I, I laughed when I saw Udonis running the other way. They've been great. Like, how was enjoy- that a Because I was at the game and I wasn't fall. I was like too involved and in fearing like Corey Joseph and and whatever that I wasn't. I wanted to complain about Udonis Haslam like picking up somebody full court. <laughs> was that even a thing? It should. It wasn't. It wasn't a thing on Twitter, and I didn't. I didn't mention it because I, I, I saw it more on the man. when I watched it a, when I watched it a second time. And it was just hilarious, dude. He just turned and just started running. Like, what the hell am I doing down here? I thought about tweeting about it, and then I feared like 57 retweets when he pickpocketed DeMar DeRozan <laughs> at half court. The UD strip at half court? What yeah, the hell I was fearing that. Does his foot look like after these games? I don't even, like, that has to be really bad, right? All right. And remember, like, he had the, the Liz Frank injury uh, first year of the big three. So That's his feet got to be like, I mean, that's probably what happened to his jumper. Like, no, that, that, it, it, it falls in line. Mat. It falls in line. That's exactly when it went. I, there's no confidence in that jumper anymore. Like, when he shoots it, it's just like, oh, Like, just, you just know just it was... happy com- if it goes in. Like, oh, it was complete last resort. Isn't it weird that you trust Hassan's jumper more than his jumper? Yes. Yes. And honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. Has Udonis had a, uh, had a jumper that you didn't trust longer than he had a jumper that you did trust, which is kind of crazy to say because he had one of the more money jumpers in the league at, at a time. But I think his shot's been broken longer than it was actually money. Well, it's been broken since, two th- like you said, that, that injury in 2010. It's pretty much been broken since that then. Have, that should have gotten him out of the league. When, if we really want to think about it, that injury should have got him out of the league because he's never really been good after that. He's well, had moments, but it's like throughout a season, it's, not like game two, game two at Chicago, Eastern oh. Conference Finals. 
I just got him. Oh, that was a, a hide your wives, hide your MVPs because Udonis Duncan on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. I just yeah. I just got emotional thinking about it. That that's how long ago that was that that joke or that internet video was popular then. That was to me. That's always quintessential. Udonis has some performance, and he had like the worst plus minus on the team that that, that game. <laughs> And oh, I hate no plus minus. There's no way. There's no way they win that series without that Udonis game, and that's crazy to say for a series that they won in five games. But like, I don't know if you remember, like, what oh, was, was on the line, and it was UD, bleak. Yeah, and UD just totally came through. That's ultimate the Indiana game, man. When when yeah. game, game six. Yeah, like oh, the guy's been washed since 2010, and he still finds a way to like get us excited. And I don't know if that's just that's probably our expectations being like super low, but that's also a credit to him, man. Good for him. Good for you, Udonis. I thought he was going to smack Valanciunas. Or who was the guy? Yeah, Valanciunas, he went into the game. Yeah, I felt like a loser getting so hyped just because like he moved his like elbow really fast. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, man, I was so excited. My was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at the grimace, yeah. And like I called out like that charge last night as if it were like Steph Curry waiting in the wing for like a wide open three. <laughs> like he was setting up for the charge and I just like put my back to it and I just started walking towards the exit aisle with my hand up knowing that oh it was my like, God, it was, like no. the clearest charge ever. Did you do the so, charge like, call like a, like a ref? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hands, hands on the on the hips. Do you, feel, uh, do you feel dirty after or do you feel good after you do that? I was in my living room doing the charge call. Oh my God, you guys are the worst. I was I was a flamboyant with it too. I was skipping around the living room. Joey you, Crawford charge call. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a bleak joke. It was a, I was a look at me ref. Animated turtle without a shell. Yeah. <laughs> how how did you guys come up with that game? Because that's like the best thing on radio. It's been the game that we've been playing since our inception. No, I know. We were just I- playing. We were just playing like really isolated forms of the game. And it was only up until a couple of years ago that we realized that maybe we should open it up to all forms. But if you remember, like, when uh, when I first started with the show, so I, I used to be a listener. I've been with the show in, in some form or fashion since I was, like, 18. But I remember, like, the games would be who looks like they smell like cigarettes. Yes. And they would just be really focused versions of the game that they've been playing since day one. And then the last, like, four years, it's just been completely opened up and it's, it was like a sort of epiphany like oh it doesn't have to be so centrally focused have you been surprised on how good they've been i mean i guess because your audience is trained but like they've been incredible yeah yeah i'm like you would think that the joke would get old by now but what i've learned is there's always new faces <laughs> so well i love like, when there's like gonna, a- like it seems like the database will never be tapped like okay. uh tapped out anyways I love when there's a big sporting event and then everybody starts to realize what those people look like. Mm-hmm. like national well, it's always exciting when like when a fresh face enters the scene and you have all these infinite possibilities of like Jim Tom Sula. The world is introduced to Jim <laughs> Tom Sula. Like, you know where you were that Monday night doubleheader when you realize <laughs> this guy looks like everybody. My sister doesn't like sports, but she likes your show because of that game. And her favorite thing is to she thinks Dan's voice is annoying and whiny. It gives her headaches. But she likes when you play the game. So she like looks on her phone, these people who she's never she doesn't know who any of them are. And she Googles them and she just starts cracking up. Yeah, that's the best when you don't know when you you're, you can't really remember what the person looks like. And then so you Google them like, oh, yeah, he does look like that. Her favorite or, is how he long looks like an eraser, which is criminally <laughs> underrated. 
<laughs> I forgot about that one. That there so were some good, good there were some good Frank Kaminsky ones that I don't think we even used. Like Frank Kaminsky looks like a pool noodle. Frank Kaminsky looks like he's walking around like someone just poked in him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> His face was so punchable. I don't. I never say that. He was annoying to look at in the Charlotte series. Well, because they kept making hook shots and layups. Uh, was that and game his, three? Gel in his hair. Did, Did anybody notice that, that uh, Kemba Walker had surgery? Yes. Like, yeah. That's true. <laughs> like, no, but like, he Twitter totally decided to ignore that. Yeah. Like, like oh, I saw that yesterday. I was like, wait a second, what? I'm still beefing with Hornets accounts. Still? They're yeah. I'm still dude, going back. Mean. It, no, see, they are not mean. Like. That's the one thing I've noticed about other fan bases. Like, they are not as good at this as we are. No, they're bad. Oh, they're just so bad. And then so you start feeling bad after a while. I feel the worst for Cleveland. Like, because... Oh, they're not good at it. Their team is way too good for them to be so bad at this. <laughs> we still beat them in the heat, in the, in the Twitter slander game. Which is... They should have so much ammunition now. They're just not very good at it. Who's uh who's the don't apologize to me uh, apologize to me guy? Kevin Dast. That guy's oh, that guy. That guy's a legend. <laughs> I love but he that guy. He barely has any followers, so I don't even think Cleveland Twitter knows about him. No one's better than Cavs Phil. Oh, that guy. Is he their spoon? Uh, I would think so. Has anyone solved that mystery, by the way? What? Which mystery? The spoon mystery. But there's, there's a lot of spoon mysteries. Like why he left? Yeah. Uh, I think I think he just got sick and tired of us, right? He just got fed up. Yeah, he just got fed up. He told Lefty Leif, I'm out. He's done with Pat Riley slander, and he left. Do you think he's back, like, with a different account? Oh, he's watching. Yeah, no, he's watching. He knows what we're doing. He keeps a watchful eye, but I don't think he tweets, which is kind of weird. He's just <laughs> watching kind of, over us. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> creepy. Although, we're creepy with him. I know that he thinks that we're creepy about him. Like, we, he, Twitter, is creepy about our fascination with him. But how could you not be fascinated with him? I got along with him. Was that for me again? Was that a positive? No, that was no. Well, when I when I give it to the floor, it's usually for the guests. Come on, Mike, you're in the radio business. I had nothing. I had nothing to add. Okay. We talk about spoon way too much. That concludes spoon talk. (laughs) Mike, I I know we've been on a while. I just want to ask, like, um, how do you feel? Like, because I feel like the show took a turn when you took over for Hawk. Like, what do you feel like you? I feel like the show got a lot hipper. Are you allowed and, to mention his name? Because you guys, I feel like you guys go out of your way not to say his name. Nobody's you gonna do? listen to this. There's like four people. I don't think I, I. I don't think we go out of our way not to mention his name. It's just, I mean, it's just the show is what it is now. But what do you think the biggest difference is? What do you think? What do you think has changed with you basically becoming an executive producer? Um. I don't know. That's hard for me to say because I, I listen to it differently. Um, I would say um, I would say Hawk, uh, a lot of his bits that he would do and, and much of his shtick that was very effective and very funny was to sort of both annoy the listener and annoy Dan. Um, it and were as I like, I occasionally do that, um, but I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm less annoying, and I mean that in like the kindest way possible because his character was very funny. In many respects, I'm less funny <laughs> if I'm not as annoying. But I feel like um, my sensibilities are, aren't aligned that way. I'm very happy being, you know, third 
Um, and if I think of a funny line, I think sometimes it's best delivered through Sugats. I really get excited about the writing aspect that not many people know about because when Sugats kills a lion on one of those phone calls or in the show, like it's Sugats killing it. But that to me, like writing for him is such a pleasure. So I think I, I take pride in, I think that's the biggest difference. I think the Sugats character has gotten a little stronger um, and a little funnier um, because he's had so much more room. And because as a, a producer and writer, like I've realized that that that's brilliant. That's unlike anything else on radio. Um, How and much also don't listen to the show to hear me. They listen to hear the main two guys. So I might as well just write for one of the, <laughs> I might as well write for the two guys. How much of uh, how much of Stu's, Stu is a character and how much of it is really him? Well, there's a saying in professional wrestling that the best characters are the ones closest to who you really are and just with the volume turned up. And that's what that's what Stu got. It's is. just embellished, right? It's just him embellished. Uh, it's it's really like we accentuate. But that's how like he really is that person. It's not like. You turn off the microphones, and all of a sudden, he's this Welsh actor that's classically <laughs> trained and doesn't stutter. Just, no, like today, like he's walking down the halls. I think you could finally see, you could see it in like the final segment of our show. Like I'm like telling him, "What the hell is on your eyebrow?" And then like he hits the other eyebrow. I go, "Your left eyebrow," and he hits, <laughs> keeps like touching his right eyebrow. And this is all a conversation that we're having like in each other's headsets, and like the entire last segment of the show, he has a booger on his eyebrow. <laughs> And like, well, after the show, there's just a booger on his eyebrow and he does the same thing. I'm like, like, I'm not going to touch it for you, Stu. Like, it's on your left eyebrow and he'll just continue pawing at his right one. Mike, do you guys realize how much and I'm, I'm a student at FIU in broadcasting and journalism. And do you guys realize how much you've influenced a generation of, of upcoming journalists and broadcasters that all I don't want to say want to mimic your show, but have taken so much from what you guys have done? And it's like you've had uh, you, Dan's Dan and you and Sugats have had this imprint on this generation. Like, do you guys is that something you've ever realized? Or um, that's that's super nice of you to say. I, I've noticed it locally. It's been harder to notice it locally because I don't mean to say this in a in a self righteous kind of way, but I feel like every show now is more geared to what we have done. Like that's the Miami sensibility now. Before, what we were doing was counterculture, and that's what turned me on to it. And now, locally anyways, it feels like everyone sort of replicates that model. So it only really sticks out as a counterculture example now nationally. And for me, like, it's really cool when Mike and Mike start borrowing from our show, try to do their version of the Looks Like game, and you see, like, people taking chances, and you see Ron McGill on Sports Center because I feel like, We've done all that we can do in terms of changing like the sports radio landscape in Miami. Now everyone's like us, and we used to be the young show, and now we're the old show. And that that's kind of cool. And now, rather than just be tired on that level and people just starting to come up with shows that are counterculture to us, we can go ahead and replicate that formula on a national level. And I find that really exciting and really flattering when you see like those little seeds of change on the national landscape. Like, yes, we are less Miami now that we're national, especially in this time slot. 
And part of that's LeBron's fault. And you can go ahead and be angry at him. <laughs> Hashtag Team Petty. But um, we're, I, I would also say that the nation is also a little bit more Miami now. And that to me is, is a pretty decent transaction. Yeah, and, and the reason I, I brought that up is because everybody wants to be like you guys. And I don't know if that's annoying or not, but every and, and I Brian and I used to have these arguments early on in the podcast. Brian wanted to like mimic what you guys did. And I was like, Brian, we can't do that, but it's like it's hard not to because a lot of us listen to you guys every day. But why the hell are you rolling your eyes, Alf? Oh, I'm not rolling my eyes. Listen. I thought you were making fun of me. No, but yeah, I just oh, I, I'm always making fun of you. I I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up later. Because you're mean and I just I'm taking you know, notes. And I wanted to thank you very much for joining our program as, as students. So all of everybody, George, you, Izzy, Joy, everybody, you guys are very, very kind to us with your time, even though Alf is a savage to you people. But we really appreciate the time. <laughs> he is a savage, but um, I, I started in this industry when I was 18 years old. I was well way in over my head uh, when I got the job. I got the job while I was in school trying to get the degree to get the job. Um, Where did you go to school, Mike? I went to Miami-Dade. Um, Represent to Kendall campus. I went to Miami Dade Kendall campus. And Hell I was, yeah! And I was studying for my AA in mass communications while I was interning. And Andy King left for the Sid Rosenberg show um, before my final semester um, at Miami Dade, and I was doing that simultaneously so I could have some sort of <laughs> degree. Um, I was so not qualified, um, but it, if it weren't for people who gave me their time um, and advice, um, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. So I'd like to give back, even though I don't consider this you trying really to burp? giving back. I don't, yeah, I, I am trying to burp. <laughs> you can try to, you can burp. It's okay. Yeah. It's for everybody. All right, there Sorry. I did. I, okay. I do try to give back. I'm also pacing in my house, which is something that I do. Wait, and I'm why? kind of out of breath. <laughs> kind of out of breath. Because I got the Fitbit and I'm trying to get 10,000. That's all it. You're, That's wait, have you and, been standing up the entire show? And and I'm 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 almost there. I'm like three minutes away. So let me continue to gas bag. Okay, so go I, I get your Fitbit ready. Go, go, yeah, go gas. Yeah, but no, I, I I'm a big believer in 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 helping out and paying it forward. Um, but I, that's not what I assumed I was doing here. I just thought it was just Alf. <laughs> oh no no yeah <laughs> you're helping me reach new heights and reach my dream thank you very much and brian i guess you too i forget you says so you didn't think you were doing a good thing you thought you were just coming on to argue with me <laughs> i just wanted you to stop DMing me 